0: All breastfeeding and pumping mothers need support. But sometimes there are barriers, usually for women of color. Some of these barriers include inaccurate stereotypes, lack of resources, and less opportunity to work with specialists of color who can better relate to their situation. So what does this racial divide mean for the lactation community? Today, we're exploring some of those big issues. We're the Boob Group. I use a breast pump. I hand express milk for my baby. I exclusively breastfeed. I use a nipple shield.
1: I breastfed after a C-section.
0: I use a milk bank. I breastfeed in public whenever I feel like it.
1: I pump at work.
2: I breastfeed with a cover.
0: I breastfeed twins. I give my baby bottles. I made my own supplemental nursing system. I supplement with formula.
3: I talk to my baby while I breastfeed.
0: I'm breastfeeding as a survivor of sexual abuse. When I have extra milk, I share it with other mom
2: we are equal we are the boob group
0: Welcome to The Boob Group. We're here to support all moms who want to give their babies breast milk and to respect the choices of moms who want to feed their babies in other ways. I'm Sunny Galt. Thanks so much for listening. Have you subscribed to our show yet? The Boob Group is available on a bunch of different platforms, including iTunes and Stitcher, Spreaker, TuneIn, and most recently, Google Play Music. So while you're there, please consider leaving us a review. It's just so important for us to know what you think about the show and some of the changes that we've made. And it's also just a great way for other parents to learn more About us. A lot of these systems are based on reviews. So if you leave a review, that's how things show up in search results. So it's very helpful for us. If you haven't left a review yet, please do so on whatever platform you're listening to us through. So let's meet the mamas that are joining our conversation today. And Rebecca, let's start with you.
4: Hello. My name is Rebecca Jackson Artis, and I live in Raleigh, North Carolina, with my husband and three children. I have a stepdaughter. 14, a eight-year-old and a six-year-old. Both of those are boys. And I breastfed for five years, loved it. And I am a certified lactation specialist, as well as a doula in training
0: and an actor, writer, and comedian. Awesome. Graham, tell us about yourself.
2: Hello. My name is Graham Seabrook, and I live in Charleston, South Carolina Um with Both children. I have a (laughs) three-year-old and a six-month-old and a boyfriend who is corralling them both right now so that I can be here with (laughs) y'all. I am a writer and I'm really just excited to be here.
0: And promote your website because I know oh, you yeah. just relaunched and everything. Yes, just relaunched. Brand new website. It's
2: the postpartummama.org. And it's specifically for women who are dealing with any maternal mental illness challenges, postpartum depression, anxiety, OCD, PTSD, or postpartum psychosis. I've got your back.
0: That's awesome. All right, and Moon.
1: Greetings everyone. I'm African Moon. I am the mother of three children, eight, four and seven months. I have been breastfeeding for eight years now. Oh, and I'm working on an upcoming documentary called The History of Our Chocolate Milk. And The History of Our Chocolate Milk specifically speaks about the history of
0: breastfeeding in the black communities. Oh, I love it. Fantastic. You have to let me know when that's ready and we can promote it to the audience and stuff. So, okay. And Kimberly is joining us as our expert. So Kimberly, tell us a little bit more about yourself.
3: Hi, Sunny. Thanks for inviting me to the show. My name is Kimberly Durden. I'm a lactation consultant, board certified. Um, I'm a student midwife, hopefully will be a licensed midwife um, sometime early in 2017, primarily focusing on home births and birth center births. And um, I'm also an educator. I do childbirth education, breastfeeding classes, and seminars and workshops for professionals, et cetera. That's me. Oh, by the way, I do have six children. <laughs> <laughs> <forgot> that part. that <laughs> part. At this point, I'm just saying a half a dozen children, and that pretty much sums it up. <laughs> That's awesome.
0: <laughs> Sounds familiar. If your baby is going through another bout of bad diaper rash then you need to give Dr. Mom Butt Balm a try. It was created by a mom who's also a doctor. When my kids were little, I remember using this thick, goopy cream to help soothe their sensitive skin. Ugh, It was so difficult to wipe off. Not with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. You only need a small amount, and it's really easy to apply and remove. It's also free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, so it's gentle on your baby's delicate skin. Help your baby feel better and get relief from irritating diaper rash with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Look for it on Amazon and Walmart.com. So before we kick off our conversation today, we have a news headline that if you haven't seen this video yet, that's going around Facebook, you may be in the minority here. Let's just put it that way. I just found out about it yesterday. And apparently, what is it? Five million other people have watched this video. It's a very short video. And it's of a dad who is, I believe he's got three kids. He's a father of three. And he's based in Florida. His name's Chris. And his partner, I think, is, is not, I don't know, she's at work. She, she's not at home, right? And the baby needs to be fed and he found this interesting way <laughs> of feeding the baby in more of a breastfeeding friendly position. So picture this. It looks like he's got, you know, like a tank top on or something like that. And where the nipple should be, he actually went through on the back end and like cut out a hole or something and put the nipple of a bottle, I believe, there. And then he's holding the baby in a breastfeeding position. So, it kind of mimics you know how baby would feel if you know mom was feeding her now we're not trying to say that the bottle is the same as the breast or anything like that we're just saying the overall position of it and being close to dad and all that you know is kind of in the breastfeeding style so if you haven't checked out the video check it out but I wanted to get the take of the mamas that are here on the conversation today to see what you guys thought so Graham let's start with you what do you think
2: Didn't they already do this on, was it Meet the Parents or Meet the Fockers or (gasps) one of those? Didn't he do this already?
0: There was like a bra thing with Meet the Fockers, right? Right. Okay. I couldn't
2: remember which one it was, but I know like they already did this. I honestly, I don't have any problem with this dad doing this. When Adam is trying to feed our daughter with the bottle, he tries to get her in the closest position to how I hold her. So that she will take that bottle so that we can all go back to sleep. Cool. Do what you got to do. Not a problem. My thing is, how do you get famous for this? What
1: do you ladies think? Moon, what do you think? You know, um, I'm glad she brought that point up because this just shows how far away we've gotten from nature that – a father says, hey, I'm going to use a bottle and put the baby in the breastfeeding position and everybody loses their mind. It's like, oh, my God, he's a genius. He's trying to do so and so. You know, like we've gotten so far away from breastfeeding and breastfeeding being normal that the mere sight of it. Shocks the whole world when a dad does it. it. I think it's absolutely insane. When I kept watching it's like, why
0: are people keep sharing this video with me? I'm like, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> All right, Rebecca, Unleash. I know you got an opinion on this. <laughs>
4: mm-hmm. mm. Okay. First of all, let's talk about this. Why is this all of a sudden cool and popular and cute and exciting and interesting? You know, women have been doing this for thousands and thousands of years. And then when we were told not to do it and we found a way to get back into understanding the power of the feminine body and feminine energy, we're not applauded for it. We're like, oh yeah, yeah. You know, oh, that's cute. Or, you know, just cover up and Go, go over there in the corner. And a man does this and it's like, oh my gosh, it's so cute. It's so funny. It's so popular. And it's and, and I'm, I think I'm at the point where that kind of repelled me. Women are constantly being substituted in this society. We constantly is a promotion to substitute the woman. Okay. So we're going to have bottles. Okay. So we're going to have daycares. Okay. We're going to have just all the time. And so now we have another way to say, oh, yeah, I could do what a woman does, whatever. It's not even all that. And I, thats that's where I get offended about this. That's where it kind of repels me.
0: Yeah. I do think we have to give the dad a little bit of credit because I can't think of, like, I know my husband wouldn't have done a video like that. Even if he was doing it in private, I do give him some props. Now, I don't think he thought almost now six million people were going to watch it. But I kind of have to give him some props for putting himself out there. I mean, it's not really the most manly thing to do, quote unquote, right? I mean, if we're looking at this from that perspective, I do think he deserves some props for saying, listen, I know breastfeeding is important and this is important to my baby. And so I want to make this work. But I see your guys's point.
2: Yes, I have no problem with him feeding the baby that way i have no problem with him being like she's not home baby's hungry i'm gonna take care of this i'm gonna handle my business i have no problem with him videoing it and saying hey guys here's an idea for when your wife girlfriend whoever isn't home and your baby's hungry that totally makes sense five million people y'all five (laughs) million people what that's where i get confused
4: (laughs) well i'll just tell you this I would file for divorce if my husband did that. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. No. Oh, no. Mm -mm. No. So unsexy. Breastfeeding is amazing and empowering, and it's also... So much because we have distanced ourselves in the society from the power of the feminine body and what amazing things we can do without even thinking about it. Like we build nervous systems and we don't even think about it. And so then when here we have this man's like, oh look, I got put this little you know, this prosthetic because that's basically what it is, on, on my body and then do this and oh it's so cute. That I don't know, it's off putting.
0: I gotcha. I gotcha. All right, well the video is on our Facebook page. Of course, it's on 5 million Facebook pages or whatever, so right. go check it out if you haven't seen it yet, and uh, feel free to continue the conversation on our page about it.
4: Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news...
0: So today we're talking about the racial divide within the lactation community. And Kimberly Durden is our expert. She's an IBCLC, a student midwife, and you heard her introduce herself a little bit earlier. A lot of credentials to her name. Kimberly, welcome to the Boob Group. Thank you. Nice to be here. Let's talk, Mamas, about common stereotypes for women of color. What are some of these stereotypes and then how can it be a barrier? Okay. First of all, you know, we all know
4: that A majority of people in the United States kind of view black women as people who just don't breastfeed. Or if we do breastfeed, we have some formula somewhere on the side. And also another thing that I've noticed is that um, even within the medical field, black women are kind of treated like even if we do breastfeed, that we don't really know what we're doing. Like, that we don't really understand the clinical side. We don't really, we don't do the research. And last, that outside, even in the profession, the, the lactation profession, black IBCLCs, black peer counselors, or whatever, we are kind of marginalized in having that seat at the the conference table, at these boards, and how they're making policy decisions. They're just not including us in these.
1: You know, I think the, the biggest stereotype that, that hurts the community is the fact that everywhere you look, it says that black women don't breastfeed. That sends a message in itself, you know, whether... You're breastfeeding now, or you're thinking about getting pregnant, or whatever. When you keep reading that over and over and over again, it's in your mind. So once that child gets here, it's like, okay, well, I'm not producing enough milk because, you know, we don't do this anyway. You know, I I think that that's the part that really Um, kills us before we even get started is that programming over and over again that Black women just don't do that. If you look
2: for pictures of Black women breastfeeding, if you Google that, most of the pictures that are going to come up are Black women from slavery and directly after breastfeeding white children. That's what you see. And there's just no way that that is isn't. In the back of your mind, whether you are a black woman who is breastfeeding or whether you are a lactation consultant who is a white woman, there's no way to get around that. There's no way that that isn't in your head and that stuff like that doesn't inform you whether you want it to or not is not the question. It's there. And if we don't kind of dredge those things up and examine them and talk about them, there's no way to change how they are informing the work that we do.
1: Not just that. Most of, if you're looking um, outside of the U.S., the other photos that you see are of women from tribes. Yes. Yeah. You know, so you can't, you can't, you can't put yourself in that situation because you're not in a tribe. So it's like, okay, so people who look, who look like me, Mm -hmm. where we're we're getting up and we're going to work and we're, uh, or running through the house chasing down four or five children, like we just don't do those. those things because there there are no images of us that show that it can be done now
2: it's so weird to me it seems like baby wearing and breastfeeding is either this tribal african thing or this suburban middle class white Mm -hmm. thing Mm -hmm. and i don't understand how everybody in the middle got pushed out of doing those two things like how did it go you know how did that happen And
4: let's just say it. Let's put it out there. Baby wearing started with us. Right. You know, let's just put it out there. And now it's (laughs) gone. We we taught a lot of white women how to breastfeed because we were midwives. We were, they didn't have the word for doulas, but we were birth assistants back in the day. And we were the one that set up a white woman after birth, you know, and said, okay, this is how you breastfeed. This is how you diaper. This is how you put, do skin to skin. You know, we were doing that a long time ago. And for some reason we're wiped out of that history. Yes,
2: exactly.
3: As Rebecca was saying, we used to be the go-to. We have a legacy of black midwives who, you know, maybe there wasn't lactation consultants, you know, 100 years ago, maybe not even 50 years ago. But why? Why did this pop up out of the blue? When we look at the history of African peoples in the United States, when we came to these shores, you know, we came with a knowledge of birthing babies, we assisted in birthing babies, we even, you know, grew midwifery as a profession, especially in the southern United States. But you know, and there were midwives of all stripes, but we we did have a huge coalition of Black midwives in the South. And and when the OBGYN profession became this new thing, the whole midwifery profession, so to speak, was wiped out. And what's so striking about that is that our black midwives in our communities that took care of us black folks, that took care of white folks, that took care of brown folks were also the go-to for breastfeeding information. We're also the go-to for mothering for families. So it's interesting that we are kind of shut out in many ways from receiving what is considered, you know, the gold standard of lactation support these days when the truth of the matter is we we already had lactation support in our communities. We already had all kinds of support around the childbearing years built into our communities, and that was stripped away from us.
0: When it comes to lactation in general, like how how do you perceive women of color being approached about this, and, and how is that impacting everything?
3: Quote-unquote lactation professionals or lactation support people or nurses in hospitals who sometimes are the front line when someone gives birth um, in terms of breastfeeding support, You know, when they have a whole bunch of folks they need to see in the hospital to support with breastfeeding, sometimes they can just kind of gloss over women of color because they've got it in their mind somewhere that it's going to be challenging to support them, that they don't really breastfeed, that they're going to have to spend a lot of time convincing them. And I've had lactation professionals come up to me at conferences and say, wow, like I don't even bother talking to African-American women about breastfeeding because I keep hearing that they don't do it.
2: Well, it was assumed when I uh, was pregnant with my first child and we were talking to my OB about all of the classes that they have at the hospital, you know, the -hmm. the new parent classes. She gave us all of the information and I went into the hospital to sign up because it was right next to my OB's office to sign us up for all the classes. And she signed us up for the new parents, you know, what to expect after the baby thing. And then that was it. She thought she was done. And I said, well, what about the breastfeeding class? And I swear this woman looked at me like, Oh, you, Oh, okay. You know, it was one of those, it didn't even occur to her that even though now this class is here, this class is free. It's given at the hospital. It's given for every woman who is signed up to give birth at that hospital. And the first people that you meet who are supposed to be signing you up for every possible class and educating you as much as possible she didn't, it didn't even occur to her that I would want to take the breastfeeding class. And when she said how many, she didn't even say how many people. I said, can the father come as well? Then she looked at me. It was a, it was a double, triple take. Oh, there's a dad. Oh, he's going to want to come to this class. I mean, she was, if I could have taken a picture of her face at that moment. Um, and I went home and I told him, I was like, babe, I don't even know if I want to go to this thing now. Cause that woman just. She just made me really angry. Those are not the words I used, but we're trying to keep it clear clean right here. But I mean, she really, she made me really, really angry. And we actually looked around at other hospitals to see if we could take a class someplace else. But at least down here, they want you to to be registered to give birth where they're doing the classes, which makes sense. So we did end up going to that class, and that was where I met my lactation consultant, and she's wonderful, and I'm really glad I went to the class. But that first contact point, that was interesting. Yeah.
4: Yeah, I have an interesting story as well with my first son. I went in for some kind of reason to the doctor, and I went – Um, at a hospital in Chicago, a teaching hospital. So, so I went in and she looked over thrice and, oh, he looks great. And, and somehow I put in there, I was like, oh yeah, well I'm breastfeeding. And I think thrice at that point was something like eight or nine months. And she looked at me and and I I get what you're saying, Graham, with the face. Mm -hmm. And she was like, oh, and she clapped. She, she was like, oh, Uh, that's wonderful. And uh, I did you not the words that came out of, her. typically you guys don't breastfeed uh. this long. And I wanted to say, and I looked and I said, you guys, and I think, you know, it's always, and you know how you always go, what I would say. But when you're in those moments, you're just so shocked that they happen. That afterwards you're in the car and you're cursing them out in the car. Oh, and you're really? like, why did, I? and I just looked and I I did say, what, what do you mean? And she's like, well, that's wonderful that you're, you it, it was like she was um
2: having you on the belittling head?
4: me yes. oh well, that's so great that you were still doing it and oh my gosh. that's so and you know I really don't hear a lot from me and i remember her leaving and i dressed thrice back up and i was like we're out because and i didn't i didn't ever go back because i knew plenty of black women in chicago who i was having mommy groups with who were breastfeeding exclusively and their babies were 8 9 10 11 12 months
3: it's really racism institutionalized racism, systematic institutionalized racism that is at the top of the divide. It intersects everything in our lives. And I think that's the hard thing for people to understand is that racism doesn't just affect you know, one aspect of one group of people's lives. It affects all of our lives. It touches everything at every interaction. We're seen in this country as groups of people and we're, we're not seen as like Americans all trying to raise breastfeeding rates for all the babies of America. We break things down into groups and sometimes that's to learn things about the differences of of different groups. But I mean, unfortunately, unless you're a lactation professional of dominant culture, let's just say white folks, unless you're a white lactation consultant who actually lives in a diverse community, has a diverse group of friends, et cetera, et cetera, the only way you're going to learn about Black folks breastfeeding is to read a study or to look at some numbers that somebody put together. And you're going to go with that instead of just your interactions with the people in your community. Because also we do often live in more segregated communities or even if we're not in a segregated community, many times our friends, our friends list is segregated. And, And I really I've been asking people in the professional communities to take a look at that for years you know, like, hey, as a professional, as a La Leche League leader, as a whatever, who are your friends? If your friend base is not diverse, then ask yourself why. Start there because otherwise you don't have real time interactions and relationships with people of all different backgrounds and faiths and colors and genders and all that. It becomes easier or it becomes harder to not just put people into a group based on a on a particular study or idea or ideology that you've been hearing about. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> when it comes to lactation resources, so extending perhaps beyond just, you know, seeing someone, you know, going to a, a, an appointment or whatever, how much access do you think women of color have to this information? Is it enough? Is it not available in all the right areas? What's your take on that?
1: I will start off by saying, no, it's not enough. It's it's not enough. There are a lot of black women who want to become uh, lactation consultants or peer counselors or whatever. And there is a block there that are keeping them from getting to that point. You know, I have, I've had a lot of women tell me that they, want, they did want to breastfeed, but the lactation consultant did sort of the same thing to them, like what Rebecca was describing. So a white lady came in and says, well, you know, I know you guys don't breastfeed, so if you want to try it, you can, and this is the way that you do it. And when you, when you listen to things like that, it, it already puts you in the mindset that I'm going to fail, I'm going to fail. So I'm not going to try. So we need more people who look like us, who understand, who understands the 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 thoughts that go on in our minds when we see people who don't look like us um, trying to give us a pat on the back. I should say, you know, we need that. But we also need for our white counterparts to to walk away. You know, everything can't be helped. Just because you're a mother and I'm a mother, sometimes I have to see someone who looks like me, who understands me, and that is what's going to push me forward. And we don't have enough of that. And we really need to not just get more lactation consultants who look like us, but we need to see more images of just... Everyday women breastfeeding. We need to do that. We need to get more photographers to go out there and take a picture. You know, I see some of these pictures and they're beautiful. Don't get me wrong where you have these mothers and they're out in the the pond or the beach or whatever and they're breastfeeding and those are beautiful. But can we get some photos of mothers at home? Can we get mm-hmm. some photos of mother riding the bus, you know, walking up the street? <laughs> you know, the, the, the kind of stuff that actually happens so we can actually see ourselves in these photos to say, well, you know what? She does it. So I might be able to pull that off. I get I get all the time. Every time I leave the darn house, I get people saying, oh, wow, where are you from? And I'll quickly say I'm from the east side of Detroit. You know, I say that quick like because I don't want you to look at me and think because I'm baby wearing and I'm breastfeeding and my baby wears cloth diapers that I'm African. I'm not African. I don't have any problems with African, but I'm from the east side of Detroit. We do we do that over there as well. You know, I want I want for people to see that people, people need to see those images. We need to be in pictures. We need to be in movies. We need to have videos. We need all of these things so we can start changing that voice that lives inside of us that has been told over and over again that breastfeeding is wrong. Black women don't do it. You're going to fail. It's going to hurt. Your child's going to going to be spoiled. You're not going to be able to go back to work. You're not going to be able to get any sleep. We need images to, to shut down all of those that negative talk that lives inside of us because of everything that goes
0: on around us. Mm-hmm. So as a result, what are the trends that we're starting to see? What are you seeing as far as the attitude of breastfeeding everything within the community?
4: We're still under this umbrella of maybe not everyone should know what we're doing. There's still a lot of African-American women who are closet breastfeeding. Um, who are not telling everybody I'm breastfeeding or they run into a corner or or there's a you can feel a bit of can I be empowered in breastfeed like that question is still bringing up I know because I and I hear and I see it more often more women are saying no I w-, more black women are saying no I want a breastfeeding class and oh I want to look for a, a black woman teaching a black breastfeeding class you know or I, I really I'm going on YouTube and I'm going to actively do my research about breastfeeding come to the table with some knowledge. So that's happening, and that's a great thing. However, the society is not catching up to us. I still have my black moms call me and say, you know, this pediatrician said this to me. Said, oh, it's okay if you just want to give up and give formula. And I've actually witnessed uh, one pediatrician in a Chicago hospital, and I'm not going to say what hospital, that in the pediatric department, I had to substitute for an IBCLC one time and I saw where he treated a white mom and encouraged the white mom through her uh, breastfeeding issues to continue. And then in that next room with the black mom, she had a very minor issue and literally told her it's OK to formula feed. And when I called him out on it, and by the way, they never asked me to come back and substitute. Uh, when I <laughs> called him out on it and I said, I don't I, and I never said black, white, but I said, why did you tell that mom that? And you told that mom that which mm. I knew. And the white male pediatrician looked at me and said, come on, Rebecca, you know, black women, it's hard for them to be receptive to encouragement about breastfeeding quick Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, and and, and these were exact words, but basically he said that to encourage a black woman to breastfeed, you got more resistance from black women. And I was like, that's not true. And I said, because I dealt with both of them after, because that's why he brought me in. He's like, oh, help her with breastfeeding. And they both were receptive to information, education, and, and support. So I don't understand. And that's when, again, like I said, they never asked me to come back to substitute. <laughs> but I realized then that We as black women are progressing, but society is not catching up to us.
1: Well, you know what, though? The problem may not necessarily be with that doctor because he could be reading the same articles that I see all the time says that black women don't breastfeed. So he has that in his mind because he just read it. Right. Because I saw it on Google. Mm -hmm. So it has to be true. Right, so when he goes in and he sees a black mother, automatically without thinking about it, it says, "Okay, you know what? Just it's okay for you to give up. It that that will be that that's okay because he has been programmed as well. These are the dangers of the conversation only being about the failures." Right. We need more conversation about our successes so people can get a balance so the the automatic uh, response won't be that it's OK. You, da- you guys don't do it anyway. So it's all right for you to walk away from it.
2: Yeah. And I think there's also there's another thing going on where what I see from my circles of friends and my family is that more educated and more middle class black women are definitely and younger. So women who are younger than I am, I'm three <laughs> uh, years old, <laughs> and women who are younger than I am and women who are, who are educated and who have a little bit more money are trending towards breastfeeding. Women who are older than I am. um, So I'll, some of our moms and some of our grandmas and women who just, I mean, I know I have two friends who gave birth and had to be back at work one within a month and one within three weeks. And both of them were just like, I'm not even messing with this. They did it in the hospital. They got home, switched to formula because they had to get on with the business of healing as soon as possible and getting back to work. They did not have the support. And I don't know how much of that is a class issue and how much of that is a race issue and how much of that is both. I think it is definitely both. But they they just did not have people behind them saying, did you know, I was the first person who said to them, did you know that your health insurance will cover a pump? Did you know that? Did you know that you can get this piece of equipment that will help you so that when you can't be with your baby, you can pump. And when you can be with your baby, you can have that relationship. You don't have to choose between those two things. They had no idea. And they had both given birth at a major hospital. So... It's just really frustrating on so many different levels that you feel like either I've got the knowledge and I'm pushing back against the medical community sometimes, or I'd see women who don't have the knowledge and who aren't being given the knowledge by the medical community. I know that the La Leche League in my area has very few Black and Latina members, very, very few. And Charleston is a a pretty mixed area demographically. But when you start talking about groups that are focused on breastfeeding, there's almost no women of color anywhere.
4: Oh, yeah. Let's talk about that. Because I reached out to my local La Leche League on the south side of Chicago and I was given resistance to become a La Leche League leader. And it was very well talked about that I just was not really wanted. And that's when I decided to start my own group. Because what happened was here, if anybody knows anything about the south side of Chicago and Hyde Park in particular, it's a very racially diverse area. Diverse yeah. area. That's where the University of Chicago is. And you have just as many black people, educated black people, middle class black people who are breastfeeding and everything. But I would go to the Leche League meetings and I'd be the only one. And I, it, this happened repeatedly. And I started asking the women, the black women in the area, and they said, no, they don't want us there. Or I don't feel comfortable because they, I can't find an identity there. Like no one there looks like me. And when I brought that up to the the leaders there, it was met with a shrug, kind of like, well, you know, they know we're here and... Oh well, that's where we really need to talk about this. Let's just talk about IBCLC and how IBCLC hadn't had a black person on their board for 30 years. For 30 years they didn't have and what's the most insulting part of it? You don't even have to be an lactation educator have any training in lactation to be on the board. That's why I refuse to become an IBCLC. Because if I can't be represented in the board, if my people can't be sitting at the table making decisions, then why should I pay an organization and beg them to give me a piece of paper and and, and take their test? to be a part of an organization that
0: clearly does not want me
4: there. So we have to we have to really talk about this. Okay,
0: we're going to take a quick break because we just need a break for just a second. I want to pick up this conversation. So when we come back, we're going to dive right back into this. We're going to talk about lactation professionals and what can be done to help close this gap. So we'll be right back.
3: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help.
0: All right. Welcome back, everyone. We're continuing our discussion about the racial divide amongst the lactation community. And we talked in the first half about the challenges of not enough women of color being in these types of positions so that they're role models and and so that they can talk to other women of color and everyone feels a little bit more comfortable with the whole process. So what are some of the challenges? Like, why aren't we seeing this more? What are the challenges in front of men and women that want to be in these types of roles that happen to be of color. What do you see here? What do you see happening?
1: We're being blocked there. There is a gatekeeper standing between the black community and certifications. The gatekeeper is not allowing us in in order for us to receive those certifications so we can get in front of the people who look like us.
3: It's a gatekeeping mentality. And I don't think even people are aware of it. I mean, I think that a lot of times there's a racial thing, but there's also an economic issue. There are white lactation consultants that don't want to help other white women become lactation consultants in their area because it might take business away from them. So it's not that isn't necessarily about race. But when we add race into it, then it gets a little bit more complicated and convoluted. So, yes, gatekeepers all across the board. Is everybody a gatekeeper? No. But gatekeeping is inherently a thought process in dominant groups. It's like, who am I going to let in? How is this going to affect me and my bottom line? Maybe you're a a lactation professional or you're a midwife or whatever, and you are of dominant culture and your clients are of dominant culture, but also your clients are, you have racists that are in in your client load. You have folks that don't want people of color to be a part of their care. Can you take on a black intern in a segregated part of town? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's going to take a big stand. I mean, how's that going to affect your business?
0: So how do we influence change? Obviously, this isn't right. How do we influence change? We might have to just say, well, you know what? Clearly
4: you're not implementing change, then you know what? We don't need La Luche League. We're going to create our Abiyama Omos or Black Breastfeeding Mothers U- Unite or Black Breastfeeding Mothers Association. And we're going to do our own chapters. And that's how you implement that change. You stop waiting for the abuser to stop abusing and you demand that I'm walking away and I'm creating my own.
3: But I will tell you that um I know that there is a big push, especially Ilka the ILCA conference, which is our yearly lactation conference from the International Lactation Consultant Association, um, the last couple of years have responded to the lack of professionals of color, how difficult it is for folks who want to become professionals to get into the lactation profession, honestly, of whatever color, stripe, or country, because it's, you know, the lactation consultant organization is, is supposed to be international. And if you don't live in the U.S., it's really hard to go through the process for lots of different reasons of becoming an IBCLC. So they've done a couple of summits. I think they've done two so far to really speak to that issue. And it's been very eye-opening for a lot of IBCLCs. Very, very, very eye-opening and very painful. If we don't start to really unpack what that is and really take a look at it and dismantle it within our own professions, then Nothing is really going to change because it's a it's a systematic problem. It's not an individual in an organization problem. It's just the way that we're used to having the world work in the United States. And so, you know, really increasing the number of lactation professionals of color, of varying genders, etc., And the international presence is really, you know, it's going it's taking a huge, huge, huge effort. And, and everyone kind of has to be bought into that Goal and everyone in the profession has to see that as important.
1: Well, you know what I can say. But what needs to happen is not for the black women to keep asking. But at some point, the white mothers are going to have to step up and say, "Hey, how come there aren't any black women here?" You know, right. we're we're if you if that's what you want to help with, then start calling people out. Like, hey, you know, I've been to a few meetings and I haven't seen anyone of any race other than, uh, white mothers here. Why is that? You know, that's what it's going to take from, from a different end of, of you stepping up and saying,
3: you know what, this doesn't look right to me. And a lot of times, you know, it becomes a heated discussion because unless you're willing to deal with, you know, the systematic racism and, and institutionalized racism in this country, unless you're really willing to look at that and face, you know, head on, face it, get uncomfortable, allow yourself to really feel the uncomfortability of those truths, then you're never going to figure out, you know, why we are where we are with breastfeeding in a black community or any other issue, you know, that kind of speaks to race and, and and things in our culture. You're never going to you have to kind of look at the root and we have to go really far back and really look at how did we get here? And I think that there is a, a real way that we can do this in a way that's it's, it's about us being all enlightened and getting on the same page as opposed to he said, she said, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but we really have to kind of say, look, this is what happened. All of us have to say, this is what happened. And what we're, this is where we are today. How can we rectify this? And maybe there are some, sorry, I am sorry, that need to be had maybe yeah it wasn't you you know maybe it wasn't you right now who did something to people of color but maybe it was you know in your maybe it's in your lineage maybe you know that your grandmother had a black nanny Mm
0: -hmm.
3: you're not responsible for that but you're responsible to acknowledge that yes this did happen and that this has an effect on what's going on today and no it's not just that Black folks are ignorant or black folks just don't want to do this or black folks don't know any better or black mothers don't care enough about their babies. It's not that. I really challenge folks who call themselves allies to really look within their own personal history and family history to begin to unwind and, and unravel this whole uh, amazing and unusual American story that we have.
0: All right, mamas, we have to wrap up the conversation. Share this episode. Share this episode with other people. And and it's okay if it makes people feel uncomfortable. It's okay. We've talked about that in other episodes. If we don't talk about this stuff, we're going to continue to feel uncomfortable, right? We have to move forward. So if this resonated with you in any way, share it. Share it with leaders. Share it with educators. Share it with whoever your provider is. Share it All right. So we have a question from one of our listeners. Katie posted this on our Facebook page. She says, hi, I love your podcast, but I'm a little bit behind. So I apologize if my question has been covered recently. She says, I have a seven month old who was exclusively breastfed until six months and is still primarily breastfed, but getting about six ounces of formula a day. My issue is the biting. His bottom teeth cut at four months and both top ones have cut within the last three days. He is consistently biting me when I try to nurse him during the day. He's broken skin more than once, and each time he bites, I unlatch him while saying no bite. After three times, I cover up and switch sides. I've tried nursing in a quiet room, laying down, walking around, background noise, talking with people inside and out. I don't have any issues when we nurse before bed around 4 when he wakes up or the first feeding between 7 to 9. Is this the normal weaning progression, or do you have any suggestions? Thanks so much, Katie and Rowan.
5: Hi, Katie. This is Michelle Stahlberger, an IBCLC in the Washington, D.C. area with Metropolitan Breastfeeding. Great question. Biting can be so frustrating and painful, and it sounds like you're doing everything right. When a baby bites, it's important that we react calmly so that we don't upset the baby and scare them. One other suggestion is to make sure that you have a nice deep latch. Sometimes when you get a little further along in the breastfeeding journey, techniques can get a little lax. A good deep latch will keep those teeth out of the way. Sometimes biting can occur when babies are distracted. So another technique is to use a nursing necklace or small toy to help keep them focused during nursing. And to make sure you're taking care of your nipples, teething mouths can be very acidic and combined with the biting, it can take its toll. Saline soaks and rinsing your breasts can be very helpful.
0: Good luck. All right, that wraps up our show for today. Thanks so much for listening to The Boob Group. Don't forget to check out our sister show, Preggy Pals for Expecting Parents, Newbies for Newly Postpartum Moms, Parent Savers for Parents of Toddlers, and Twin Talks for Parents of Multiples. This is The Boob Group, where moms know breast.
4: This has been a new mommy media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode Please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider.
0: How would you like to have your own show on the New Mommy Media Network? We're expanding our lineup and looking for great content. If you're a business or organization interested in learning more about our co-branded podcasts, visit our website at newmommymedia.com. Hey, mamas.